Will Sam Altman land at Microsoft or is OpenAI still in his future? I'm Veronica Dudo. Let's find out. This is In America Today from the Ticker News Studios in New York City. Hello and welcome. Coming up, a group of 28 babies born prematurely have been evacuated from Gaza's biggest hospital. Plus, former First Lady Rosalind Carter has died at the age of 96. But first... OpenAI's outgoing chief Sam Altman has potentially moved to Microsoft. The surprise turn of events capped off a tumultuous weekend for the startup at the heart of an artificial intelligence boom. For more, let's bring in Oz Sultan, the chief strategist with the Sultan Interactive Group. Oz, thanks so much for your time today. So really a fast changing story. Sam Altman's abrupt ousting as CEO of the chat GPT maker was a shock in Silicon Valley. Is this one of the biggest financial stories this year? And what exactly happened? Um, it definitely is. And it's by no means over. So over the weekend, there was a, a move to ouster Sam um, by the board, and there was cascading impacts of this. So Brockman followed him and, and resigned. Uh, both of those were posted on X over the weekend, which also had a cascading impact of uh, a number of OpenAI developers basically saying that they're up and leaving with them as well. Um, turnaround OpenAI starts saying that, hey, uh, we're perhaps we made a mistake. Um, let's come back to this. Let's reevaluate this. But while the board is wringing their hands, and Sam has has made it very clear that he would like to still be at the helm of OpenAI, Satya Nadella. Um, from Microsoft stepped in. So Microsoft, who had just rebranded their Bing AI uh, co-pilot, basically has struck a deal in a manner of fashion with OpenAI that could potentially power Copilot, could power a variety of different Microsoft applications moving forward, and sets the stage for Sam to land at Microsoft. Then about an hour ago, uh, there was uh, there was new information that just popped out that uh, I'm going to get the pronunciation right. Ilya Sutskever um, had flipped on the board to uh, to say, "Hey, we'd like Altman back, but they need two more board members to actually authorize this vote in order to reinstate him as CEO." And in the interim, inside of all of this. Uh, we have the former CEO of Twitch who's been nominated to to stand in Sam's stead. So you've got this kind of interesting technological like trifecta going on where Microsoft could and will more than likely come out on top in terms of some of the AI wars against Google and their BARD AI product. Um, in the mix of this, uh, Sam Altman could potentially be sitting with two roles, one with OpenAI if he decides that you know the CEO role um, is for him and the board members acquiesce, um, as well as a role at Microsoft. And then the the bigger question now is, does something else happen, right? Because he still has the option to go elsewhere, and you have a very large group of AI developers that are you know loyalists to both Altman and Brockman that are more than likely going to leave. And these are, you know, unintended consequences that the board didn't fully think through. And even watching Scobalizer on Twitter kind of mocking ChatGPT, it's a, you know, he said, ask your own engine, like what a board should do in considering these types of things before you do it. 
And it looks like there's a lot of crow to be eaten here. So the, the game is still afoot. Um, it's still to be seen where Altman lands. Uh, but more likely than not, you know, there's going to be some significant changes to OpenAI after this settles and, and the dust has cleared. Um, and at the same point in time, we're looking at a much stronger positioning of Microsoft, um, not just from the position of their stock value, but also where the company can go with product near term. Now, this seems like consolidation. Did big tech just get bigger? In a way, it did. Um, you know, Microsoft has been focusing on artificial intelligence tools to expand their business stack. So that's, you know, Microsoft Office, SharePoint, Azure, a variety of other products that also tie into some blockchain products that they have with the Ethereum stack on their back end. Um, whereas Google really seems to be positioned with BARD inside of the consumer economy. So what you may be looking at is kind of this technological balkanization that we saw in the 90s, right, with Microsoft versus WordPerfect versus some of those other companies that no longer exist. But now this is going to be happening in the early 2020s, likely in between business AI or commercial AI and what we, I guess we could call public domain AI, um, kind of looking at each other from opposite sides of, of the coin inside of an, an industry that is just starting to really kind of sink its teeth into mainstream America. With about a minute left, what does this have to say about the future of artificial intelligence? I think it's really kind of still up for grabs. You know, the language model um, are currently at four. I think the iteration of 4.5 is expected by the end of next year. Uh, there are about 4,000 AI companies that are out there now in a variety of specific domains. So I think you can expect that there's more of those that are going to be bubbling up largely inside of specialized industries. Um, but the big players, the open AIs, the bards, um, as well as your generative AI companies um, are probably on a precipice of something very major happening with both in terms of integration inside of existing technology stacks and companies, uh, as well as innovation and new products that they're bringing to market. And uh, one thing I'll throw out there as a last note is the Unity game engine. When they start playing with that, you're actually going to be looking at a completely brand world for AI stepping into the creator economy. Oz, thank you so much for your time and uh, the update, the up-to-date information on this story. A group of 28 babies born prematurely have been evacuated from Gaza's biggest hospital. The infants have been taken into Egypt for urgent treatment. Medical staff carefully place newborn babies in mobile incubators on the Egyptian side of Rafa border. They were born in Gaza's Ashifa hospital, which was seized by Israeli forces last week. A first group of 28 premature babies was evacuated on Monday and taken for urgent treatment. The babies have captured global attention since images emerged of them lying side by side on beds after their incubators were switched off for want of power. When doctors at Ashifa first raised the alarm, there were 39 babies. Eight have since died. Israeli troops are searching for what they say is a vast Hamas tunnel network built beneath the hospital. Rick Brennan of the World Health Organization said the babies have a long road to go, with all of them in serious or critical condition. We're cautiously optimistic they will do well, uh, but we have to watch them very, very, very closely. They can still uh, develop further complications and deteriorate acutely. 
Uh, they're not out of the woods yet by any by any means. Uh, so they they will need that intensive care for some time to come. Lubna Asaik's baby daughter was recovering from respiratory problems when the hospital came under siege. But during these 10 days when the hospital was surrounded, there was no milk and she kept getting worse. She was back to zero to live in on oxygen again. And her situation was the worst out of all the babies. The WHO also condemned a deadly assault on Gaza's Indonesian hospital. The complex was encircled by Israeli tanks on Monday. Reuters verified the location, but not the date of this footage. Like all other health facilities in Gaza's north, the Indonesian hospital has largely ceased operations, but is still sheltering patients, staff and displaced residents. Israel said it was responding to fire from inside. Meanwhile, at NASA Hospital in Khan Yunis in the south, more children are brought in, injured in a nearby Israeli strike. The war was triggered when Hamas militants attacked southern Israel on October 7, killing 1,200 Israelis and taking 240 hostage. Israel has responded with a relentless bombardment of Gaza and a ground invasion, which the health ministry and the Hamas-run enclave says have killed 13,000 people. Former U.S. First Lady Rosalind Carter has died at the age of 96. President Jimmy Carter once called her an extension of myself regarding her prominent role in his administration and her work to promote the cause of mental health. Former First Lady Rosalind Carter, who U.S. President Jimmy Carter called, quote, an extension of myself, died at the age of 96 on Sunday. That's according to the Carter Center, which said she died peacefully with her family by her side. In May, the Carter family said she had dementia but was continuing to live happily at the couple's home in Plains, Georgia. Former President Carter, who is 99 years old, has been in hospice care at that home since February. Jimmy and Rosalind Carter were the longest married presidential couple, having wed in 1946 when he was 21 and she was 18. I didn't think I would ever get married. I didn't, um, I didn't like boys. It was boys back then because it was that period. And, um, but I didn't know how to talk to them. I didn't want to go out with them. I used to tell my mother when the phone rang to tell them I wasn't at, whoever it was, tell them I wasn't at home and I wasn't. I was already out the door and down the street. Um, and then along came Jimmy Carter. And my life's been an adventure ever since. Thank you. I love you. While in the White House, the Carters were a team, with the president calling her, quote, my closest advisor. She was often invited to sit in as an observer at cabinet meetings and political strategy discussions. Since his single four-year term ended in 1981, Jimmy Carter has enjoyed more post-White House years than any president before him, and Rosalind Carter played an instrumental role in those years, including as part of the nonprofit Carter Center and the Habitat for Humanity charity. Her lifelong passion was to promote the cause of mental health, not because of any personal connection, but because of a strong feeling that advocacy was needed. She became honorary chair of the President's Commission on Mental Health, which was key to the passage of a 1980 act that helped fund local mental health centers. At an event in Virginia to meet with service members and their families, First Lady Jill Biden expressed her condolences. She was well known for her efforts on mental health and caregiving and women's rights. So I hope that uh, 
during the holidays, uh, you'll consider saying you include the Carter family in your prayers. The Carter Center said she is survived by her four children, 11 grandchildren, and 14 great-grandchildren. Thanks for watching In America Today. I'm Veronica Dudo. For more, head to tickernews.co. I'll see you soon. More right after this.